today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. exact quote goes like this, for when David had served God's purposes in his own generation, he had served God's purposes in his own generation. The meaning of your life is wrapped up in God's purpose for your life. How come we have to wait so long sometimes? Well, sometimes while we're waiting on God, he's waiting on us. Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see You're changing our lives, so we can be our hands and feet From the moment God sent Samuel to anoint David as king of Israel, to the time David actually ascended to the throne, a lot of life happened. Pastor Ed tells us in today's message that over 20 years, several wars and death threats and a great deal of uncertainty filled that gap. Right now, you too may be in a holding pattern, waiting for God to start the life He promised you. You may be asking yourself why you had to wait. Pastor Ed assures us that God is still in control and that He always keeps His promises. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Faith. We've been studying the life of David And journeying with him on his way to see God fulfill all of his good promises in David's life. As we turn to 2 Samuel chapter 2, we're going to look this morning at his ascension to the throne. Going to cover actually chapter 2, 3, 4, and somewhat of chapter 5. I won't be reading all of those verses. 2 Samuel chapter 2. Just going to read one verse, but we're going to be referring to a number of the events that take place in chapter 2 and 3 and 4 and then in chapter 5. Remember, David has mourned the death of Saul and Jonathan. He spoke a beautiful eulogy over their lives. The phrase, how the mighty have fallen, comes from the lips and the pen of David, and it's been used through the centuries again and again, as David gave this beautiful eulogy of Saul and Jonathan. Chapter 2, verse 1. In the course of time, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah? He asked. The Lord said, Go up. David asked, Where shall I go? To Hebron, the Lord answered. We'll stop there. One of the favorite passages of our church is Jeremiah 29, 11. It's been used again and again and again. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. The meaning of our lives are wrapped up In the purposes of God. The meaning. The purpose of your life. Is wrapped up. In God's plan for you. 
Now imagine that the Lord would speak to you at 15 years of age, and he says to you, I have a plan for your life. And that plan is going to be fulfilled. And he tells you at 15 years old, and it doesn't happen until you reach 30 years of age. And then when it happens at 30, it only happens partially. You got to wait until you're 37 years of age. That's 22 years you have to wait. How would you feel if God spoke to you when you were a 15-year-old teenager and you had to wait 22 years for God to fulfill that word? See, at 15, Samuel the prophet came and he came to a little town called Bethlehem. He broke open the oil And he poured it over David's head and said, you're going to be a king. David was elated. But the track he had to walk on, the trail he had to go, the path he had to go, he didn't see things happening. I mean, for five years when he turned 20, when he turned 25, finally when he turned 30 years of age, God began to fulfill that promise partially. He was anointed again in Hebron at 30 years of age. The leaders in Judah anointed him. But then he was only king over part of the country, not all of the country, just Judah. And he would have to wait seven and a half years until the promise was fully fulfilled. There's a passage in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 13, verse 36, it says that God fulfilled all of his good purposes in David's life. Now, I'm paraphrasing it. The exact quote goes like this. For when David had served God's purposes in his own generation, he had served God's purposes in his own generation. The meaning of your life is wrapped up in God's purpose for your life. How come we have to wait so long sometimes? Well, sometimes while we're waiting on God, he's waiting on us. I'll say that again. When we're waiting on God, he's waiting on us. He's waiting till we're ready to receive the blessing. He's waiting until we're mature enough that we could handle his blessing and it won't hurt us or harm us. God often is working behind the scenes so that when we are blessed, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's blessed us, that he has fulfilled his word, and we receive it with gratitude. Now, how can you achieve, when you go after God's promises, how can you achieve and find their fulfillment in your life? Well, I think in David's life, you see these principles, these keys, these concepts that come through in these chapters. The first thing I want you to take note of is this. We must prayerfully... Pursue 
God's purposes in our life. We read the verse, verse 1. In the course of time, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah? Now notice, Saul is dead, Jonathan is dead, the nation is in disarray. God promised David he would be king. David doesn't rush, grasp at the kingship, and run away with it. He doesn't take what he believed they'd been promised and said, listen, I've waited 15 years. This is a long time. I want it now. No, he doesn't do that. He had learned, he had learned, he had learned to simply wait on the Lord and seek God. And seek God for his counsel. Now, stay in the book and let the book stay in you because as the book stays in you, you'll begin to think God's way. You'll begin to have God's counsel, God's mind, God's heart. But then there are specific areas as you pray, God will guide your steps because the steps of a good man, a good woman are ordered by the Lord. Here is David and he says, God, shall I go? And God says, yes. And then he asks another question, where shall I go? That was an important question. He wanted specific instruction. Should he go back to Bethlehem, the place of his heritage, the place of his anointing? Should he go to another city? David asked God specifically. The more choices we have, the more chances we have to make mistakes. That's why we must seek God for his direction in our lives. The more open doors, the more options, the more one has to say, God, show me what you want me to do. David spoke boldly in Psalm 27. Listen to his words. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? How could he speak with such courage and such boldness and such strength? Verse 14, the last verse of Psalm 27, is the anchor that kept him grounded so that he could speak with such faith. It says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. David had learned to wait on God, to seek God, not to rush ahead of God, nor to lag behind, not to go out presumptuously, but to simply wait in trust. And that's what he does. He waits and he prays and he seeks God. So when you're pursuing God's purpose for your life, Remember, wait for the Lord. The songwriter wrote, I was born for a reason, not just by chance. God has a purpose in letting my breath last. If I seek him, I will find him. For with the help of God, there is nothing, nothing I can't do. And David had learned to prayerfully wait. It didn't stop there because you do need to pray. But David was walking into a virtual minefield. There were competitors. There was animosity. There was all sorts of emotions going on in Israel because they considered him many an outlaw. They looked at him as someone that Saul was trying to get rid of. And so 
there were all sorts of feelings and emotions and minefields that David would have to navigate through. He had to walk wisely. We must wisely pursue God's purposes in your life. God has a purpose for you, a plan for you. Just don't take the dice and roll and say, okay, I'll try this, I'll try that. Many times we could sabotage God's plan in our life because we lack wisdom. We act unwisely in what we do and what we say, and we bring upon ourselves grief or trouble. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 78. It describes David. He says, He chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. David was like a shepherd leading the people to green pastures, helping them to achieve what they were supposed to achieve. And David also, though, the Bible says he had skillful hands. That means he had insight, understanding. He had a sense of intelligence about what he was doing. And then it says in the text that he had integrity of heart. These were inner compasses, guides that helped him navigate through difficult waters. He walked wisely. The wisdom that he had is displayed in his discernment. You could see that he was a discerning man. In verses 4 to 6 of 2 Samuel, when David was told that it was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who had buried Saul, he sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead to say to them, The Lord bless you for showing kindness to Saul, your master, by burying him. May the Lord now show you kindness and faithfulness. I, too will show you the same favor because of what you have done. David, at this moment, cast aside, throws away cultural advice, the norms of society. The norms were, you kill your competitors. If someone supported another monarchy, another king, and especially if you were marked as an enemy, guess what? They're on your hit list. Guess what? You wipe out their lineage to secure your own. What David does is absolutely incredible because he has a discernment from God. He's not governed by the culture. He's guided by God's word, God's principles. Here, Saul and his sons had been beheaded. Their emaciated bodies were hanging from the wall. They were sort of a byword for those who saw and passed by. And the men of Jabesh Gilead risked their own lives to take those bodies down and give them a decent burial. The house of Saul had a debt to these men of Jabesh Gilead who had remembered Saul's kindness to them early in his reign. What David does is said, I'm going to remember the kindness that you have shown. I'm going to pay you back. Wow. 
David, that's so different. Sometimes when people climb the ladder of success, they step on everyone below them and they use people rather than building people. That's the way of the world. David was going to honor those men who behaved honorably. We live in a culture, by and large, of dishonor. We live in a culture, by and large, that dishonors what God honors. There was a study done. In this study, it was a world almanac of facts. And they interviewed 2,000 American 8th graders. And they asked them, what are your heroes Who are those people you admire? And the only people that those young people admired were sports celebrities and movie stars, the icons. Among the 30 prominent personalities, they were all entertainers and they were athletes. There were no statesmen, no authors, no painters, musicians, architects, doctors, astronauts. None of those people captured the imagination of those 8th graders. And the commentator said that what we've done is we've created a society where people are looking at what, who's the biggest, who's the most well-known, not on real accomplishments. As you look at chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, a question might come in your mind because there's so many details about Abner and Joab and all these conflicts that are going on. Why did the writer of Scripture spend so much ink on those characters? I think what he was doing is he was setting up a contrast in the way David was going to work and in the way those in that culture who dishonored God were going to work. In Romans it says, give to everyone what you owe them. Give respect and honor to whom all it is due. Abner sets up Ishbosheth as the king of the northern tribes. Abner had been a general of Saul. He had been a cousin of Saul. He had been in the family. And so he takes Ishbosheth and he sets him up. Do you know what Ishbosheth's name means? Man of shame. Wow. Man of shame. Abner honors the man of shame. David honors those who are honorable. There's a big, big difference. We look sometimes for greatness rather than goodness. We look at sometimes people's persona instead of people's character. David was a discerning man, and he used a different set of values. What you honor, what you treat with respect, shows you what you value. There is this theme following through First and Second Samuel. It's found in the early chapters. Then that honor me, I will honor And those who treat me lightly will be judged. Those words were spoken to Eli, the high priest, who honored his sons before honoring God. If we're going to pursue the purposes of God, first, 
Honor what God honors. Value what he values. There was another aspect to David's life in that he walked wisely. He had integrity. He had integrity. In Psalm 25, one of David's psalms, he says, Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame. I take refuge in you. My integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope is in you. Redeem Israel, O God, from all their troubles. The idea of integrity here is there's a sincerity, there's a simplicity, there's an honesty about him. David doesn't have duplicity. There's a truthfulness about who he is. What happens is so many times when we have duplicity, it trips us up. I was reading about a contractor, and this contractor had a long-term contract with a customer. And after a number of months, he came to the customer and said, you know, I noticed this week you gave me the check, and it's $200 short. You've underpaid me $200. And so the customer looked at them and said, well... Last week, I made a mistake and gave you $200 too much. I overpaid you. Why didn't you complain about that? And here was the contractor's reply. The contractor said, well, I don't mind an occasional mistake. But when it becomes a habit, I feel I have to say something. (laughs) Well, is it to our benefit or is it to our hurt? Integrity says... I'm going to do the right thing. David had integrity of heart. What happens is Abner and Joab use God. I mean, when Joab talks about an oath, he uses the name Elohim. That means the God of the universe. He doesn't use that special name for God, Yahweh or Jehovah, that refers to the covenant relationship with the people of God and God. You could see there's a distance in his relationship with God. Abner and Joab, both are shallow. Religion can be a front for our self-interest. That's the way it is for Abner. You know what Abner does? He goes to Ishbosheth. He's going to set him up as king. And you know why he sets him up as king? It's because he has power. Ishbosheth is merely a puppet king. It says in the biblical text that Abner grows in power in Saul's kingdom or reign or in Israel. Now, when Abner notices that those in Judah begin to gain power and strength, and that the northern kingdom is waning in strength. And then when Ishbosheth makes an accusation and accuses him of some behavior that was wrong, he gets angry. And he goes and says, I'm going to go to David and make David king. And so he uses his political power to do that. Why? Because he wants a place of control. He wants a place in the government. He wants to keep the power. It's very dangerous when we lack integrity because we use our positions. We could use our resources. We can use others for our self-interest. 
As Dr. Ed Jones continues to take us on a journey through the story of David, we continue to learn more about what a life lived for God can look like. David wasn't perfect by any means, but God used him in powerful ways, and he can use you too. We do hope that you've been blessed by today's message on Building in Faith and invite you to visit our website to learn more about our ministry. Our web address is buildinginfaithradio.com. There you'll find an archive of previous messages available to listen to or download or even share with someone you feel will be impacted by the message. Be sure to find us on Facebook as well by searching for Faith AG2. We know how important social media is in people's lives today and by liking us on Facebook, you can keep up to date with all that's happening at Faith Assembly. We'd also like to invite you to join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area for our weekly time of fellowship, Bible teaching, and worship of our Savior. We meet each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and also on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and have many activities for all ages and all walks of life. Give us a call for directions and to find out more about our congregation at 845-462-5955. Sadly, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us again here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues to dig deeper into the Word of God, sharing with us new chapters in David's story. Your word restores it.